Welcome to the Hog Call Podcast. This is Chad. And this is Tim. Be sure to subscribe to the Hog Call on your favorite podcast directory. iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever you'd like, we're on them all. The Hog Call is only live, real-time, uncut, uncensored, Razorback podcast. Created by fans for fans. Friend us on Facebook at Hog Call Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Hog Call Podcast. Chad runs the Facebook page and Tim runs the Twitter page. Support the Hog Call Podcast by helping us spread the word. Give us a five-star rating and leave a comment, even if it's just Go Hogs. This will go a long way to allow other Razorback fans find the podcast more easily. If you'd like to throw a tip our way, you can support the podcast financially by clicking on the link in the show description. We're counting on fan support. Do you have something Hog Call Nation needs to hear? Leave a voicemail by clicking the link in the description below or send an email to hogcallpodcast.gmail.com. Well, it's good to get that mess out of the way. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Chad. Should be good. Um, would be better if not for the disappointing effort from the football hogs. Uh, how are you tonight? Oh man, you know it's just it's been one of those weeks. I'm, you know how it is when you got the hog pression setting in. I got the the apricot peach ale tonight from Dunedin Brewery, and nice. uh, yeah, six percent. So that ought to help us get through. Yeah, that always helps. Yeah, so, you know, and I hate to hate to do that, but, <clears throat> you know, I got to do what I got to do, so. Well, well I, always, I always say the best way to listen to this podcast is with a beer anyway, so. Oh, yeah, I hope all of our fans are <laughs> listening with a beer. Oh, it makes sense if you're listening to it, you know, live late night Wednesday, kicking back, or Thursday and Friday, the end of the, end of the work week, so, yeah, we all deserve one especially after that game so goodness exactly so yeah what what a tough what a tough road to hoe it really has been for razorback fans and i guess we're going to get into it again this week and, and talk about it a little bit we got uh a couple different fans perspectives um so i think we could delve into that first and then we'll move into uh you know, talking about the, the Razorbacks. How do, you, how do you feel about that? Sounds great, Chad. So, J.M. McCoy left us a message on uh, Facebook. And, and we know there's two camps of Razorback fans. You know, there's the, we got to support the coach and give him however long it takes to, to get the program where it needs to be camp and there's the if we don't start winning we gotta we gotta make some changes camp and we've always you know or we've recently i guess been in the latter camp of you know if we don't if we don't start making some changes we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do and we discussed that last year even but after reading this comment i feel like both camps really aren't too far off from each other I think there's things we can take from each other's perspective. So let me just read what he says. And he numbers this out for us. Um, 
so I guess we could address it or whatnot. So, so we'll just take a look. So, uh, the first thing he says is, is, "Here's my thought: Hog fans have delusional expectations of what these coaches should be able to accomplish. Number one, Coach Morris inherited a dumpster fire with no talent." A dumpster fire that's been going on for eight years now. It can't be fixed overnight or even in a couple of seasons. His second point, number two. The team last year was full of no-talent quitters who quit at the first sign of adversity. With that said, Morris has ran off almost half the roster and replaced them with inexperienced freshmen. The third point, number three, inexperience plays a major role in why it seems as if the team went backwards, which it hasn't. Arkansas is ranked 120th out of 130 teams in the FBS in lack of experience, dead last in the SEC and fourth lowest in all Power 5 schools. Inexperience is what you're calling looks like they haven't seen a practice field, that's in quotes, which again isn't true. Let's not forget that of the starting 11 last week, not a single player had a game snap with any of the other 10 players before last week. Point number four. With all the attrition and inexperience, winning this season and going bowling isn't likely, and anyone who thought it was the case had delusional expectations, as I said. To rebuild an eight-year dumpster fire, Morris needs at least four full recruiting classes before anyone can say he isn't doing a good job or that this team isn't better so far. He's had one full class and a partial from when he was hired. The majority of the players on the original class was still Burt's players with the addition of seven-ish that Morris actually got to recruit. That class and last season, he should be given a pass for because no coach coming in with a more complex scheme on both sides of the ball should have been expected to do much of anything with the no-talent quitters Bellama left. Point number five. He had to change the entire culture where players didn't quit and they played all four quarters. For those who haven't noticed, that's happened. The only thing I saw Saturday night that concerned me was why they kept going back to the wild hog after they realized it wasn't working. Why did the O-line look to be blocking better for Starkle than Hicks? Hicks, for the most part, 
had the pocket falling apart in him the entire first half. Starkle didn't seem to have that issue. Why? Why couldn't Starkle make a handoff and get the running game going? He passed well, yes, but with Hicks, the run game averaged six yards per carry. With Starkle, it was negative yardage. Everyone seems to think Starkle did a better job, but at the same time, Hicks didn't consistently have the team in three and miles like Starkle did. He hasn't had a turnover yet, no personal penalties, or ineligible receivers downfield. Personally, I do think either there was better than the other, only in different areas. We all knew Starkle could sling the ball, but he didn't do anything else to impress. Hicks at least got the team lined up right and could execute plays when he had time to throw. Lastly, you want to know about Jones? Well, my suspicion is he might be the best of the three, but... After Brandon and Austin, Allen being accused of only getting to play because of who their dad was, I figure that has a lot to do with why we haven't seen him yet. All in all, Morris is doing it excellent and what he was hired to do. This team is night and day than it was when he got it in all areas, and attitude. Apparently, no one was paying attention last year when Morris kept saying, it's about changing the culture year one. The W's and L's weren't as important as getting everyone to buy into the culture. I find it amazingly sad that a group of 18-year-old kids who Morris recruited understands it's a rebuilding process that takes time yet we have a fan base that's so delusional it has a win now attitude they would sell their souls for another round of the Petrino mess to get it be patient trust the process Rome wasn't built in a day our case a couple of games so anyway I get what he's saying yeah before just in case anybody jumped on again that was from J.M. McCoy that was you Mm -hmm. quoting uh, something a uh, listener read yeah that that was listener J.M. McCoy and well here's the thing about about what what you said Uh, so, so let's first talk about the thing that stands out to me is is when you were talking about coach and, and you said, oh, you know, the first year's a wash, he came in to uh, repair the culture, and that was the major issue that he had to take care of. Fine, okay. Let's say that that first year you're going to give him a pass. It's okay to have the worst season we've ever had in Razorback history our entire existence. If you're okay with that, that's fine. But I'm not okay with that. And I don't think you should be either. 
I don't think that the fans should be okay with a horrible, deplorable year like we had last year with the talent we had last year. If he can't get players to buy into his program, that's bad coaching. That's bad leadership skills. When Houston Nutt came in, he didn't have the most talent in the world, but he was able to take it and get some wins. And then when Petrino came in, he was able to take a very talented recruiting class and the players that Nutt left over and be very, very successful. To say the Petrino mess, that was a really successful run. Those four years were some of the most successful four years we've ever had. And when Petrino left, he left us on the verge of winning a national championship. So to say that was a mess is just really insincere. Now, did Petrino do something he shouldn't have done? Yes. Did he make a huge mistake? Did he pay for that mistake? Yes. Is Arkansas paying for that mistake? Yes. If you're referring to him hiring a mistress, getting in a motorcycle wreck, and that as a mess, fine, I'll give you that. That was a mess. But the players that were there were not bad players and wasn't a bad situation. Bellama should have done better with those players. John L. Smith should have done better with those players. And they didn't. And that was a failure in coaching. We can all agree that John L. Smith didn't do well and wasn't a good coach for the University of Arkansas. So then that brings us into into Bellama. Bellama just wasn't a good coach. He wasn't a good coach when he came down from Wisconsin. He wasn't a good coach when he was here at the University of Arkansas. And he ran the team into the ground. Or that's your perspective. My perspective is that he couldn't make the talent perform well that he had. Not that he had ran it into the ground. His recruiting classes really wasn't that bad if you go back and look at them. So to say that he ran them into the ground, you know, I think he just didn't perform with the talent he had. And I think that's the issue we're looking at right now with Chad Morris is he hasn't been able to perform with the talent he had. And I think that is something that we can both agree on. Because you point out several times how Morris is the issue. And the things that Morris is doing is the issue in this um, letter to us. You also go on to write more where you talk more about how the practice fields were broken up and everyone wasn't getting the same amount of reps, and this caused issues with Starkle and Hicks not being able to throw to the wide receivers, and everybody wasn't getting wasn't able to get on the same playing uh, field at the same time. Again, another coaching issue that you yourself are pointing out. Basically, you're saying that Coach Morris isn't a good coach. I don't understand 
why you don't see that and why you would give him five years. We've already got ourselves in a situation where if we don't let this coach know that mediocrity isn't going to be accepted, that's what we're going to get. If you listen to his comments after the game, he talked about, oh, it's not about the wins and losses. We're going to get what we get. It was not uplifting, again. And every year can't be an excuse as to why he's not performing. At some point, his players have to perform. So if we go and look at Petrino, we had a bad year that first year. The second year, we went to a bowl game. That is improvement. That's what we should be seeing. Even with Bellama, his first year was, was pretty bad, and his second year showed improvement. This year has not showed improvement so far. I know that we're early into the season, but really, we're, we've lost 14 SEC games in a row. I mean, that should be concerning to everyone. I'm sorry, Tim. That's that's just some of the things I wanted to, to point out and say. I think we're on the same page here. I think that even though you're saying, hey, let's give him five years, I think the biggest difference that we have is I'm saying if we can't beat Colorado Damn, State, not yeah, if you can't beat Colorado State, you got to go. We can't wait another five years or the program is going to be even worse shape than it is now. We have to see improvement. Yeah, I don't believe in this whole the year zero last year. I mean, I get it. You know, I overpicked him last year, picking eight, thinking you know we could win eight games, and thinking Morris was going to come in and take the talent, uh, being a little left behind and get eight wins. All right, but but to be two and ten um, was very disappointing. Uh, should at least you know SEC game or two, or not drop the. Uh, I'm, I'm still. Uh, uh, burned from the Colorado State game, traveling there and seeing us drop that lead, um, seeing Morris not go for it on fourth and one when our running backs are averaging seven and a half, eight yards a carry. Um, I don't believe in that year zero. Okay, four wins last year, five wins. That's not the worst we've had that before. It's not the worst year. Um, uh, you can change culture and be a, be a better coach and not go two and ten and not start this off where we get embarrassed by Ole Miss. And that's exactly what it was. Um, uh, it was disappointing from the get-go. Um, the game was loaded with anemic offense, tons of mistakes. Um, the, the defense gave us effort to keep us in it, but the end was gassed and ended up missing tackles. And Coach Chavis took the blame on himself. You know, he, he, he said uh, fatigue's not an issue. Um, um, it's his fault for not, you know, coaching better fundamentals on those. And obviously it was a lot. To me, it looked like fatigue. Um, uh, you know, they could have had more three and outs, but they were plenty, and they had red zone stops. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just couldn't move the ball. We couldn't score. Um, uh, before that, I mean, defense scored the only touchdown besides before the last couple minutes of the game. Um, it's just, I mean, this is the most fan criticism since the hiring, and it's deserved. Um, our, we're burnt out on losing. Like you said, we've had those double-digit SEC losses in a row. Uh, improvement hasn't been seen from year one. Um, and he hasn't even yeah. proved that he can win a Power 5 game as a head coach. He hasn't done that yet. He's not won one 
Power 5 game as a head coach. That should be concerning. He's lost 14 SEC games in a row. That should be concerning. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he hadn't won a Power 5 game, so we, I get it. I'm, I'm hopeful, too. I'm a homer. We did it again picking 18. So we thought we could do it. You know, I'm putting my mm-hmm. – I'm supporting the guy. But he hadn't shown it yet. There's not really – you know, there's some fans that say, I, I trust him, you know, and this is like, that, that's great, man. I, I want to, I want to, but I just want to be prove something. I want to, I wanted to be shown this past week and go down to Ole Miss, a team that even Beelan would beat four out of five times that, uh, that Petrino whipped up on, that Nut whipped up on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? And, and continue that dominance. We go down there and just, just lay an egg. And um, mm-hmm. Colorado State's coming in this weekend. Uh, with confidence, a better team from last year, looking to come down here and beat us again. So what is Morris going to do to to show that this program is going to turn around in the right direction? And still don't have another opportunity for a power power five win or his first till Mm A&M. So what are we going to do until then? Um, The fans are are understand patient, but it's hard to see progress, and it's just we're we're tired of losing. Show something. You can coach – you can coach at the same time you're building a culture and you're recruiting, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, you can't blame anybody for being disappointed right now again. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I guess if you take this perspective of, you know, coach Morris inherited a team without any talent whatsoever, you know, you know, that, that, that but not it, less talent than, you know, Colorado state and North Texas, and even, mm-hmm. I mean, probably even Vanderbilt. I mean, it wasn't the greatest, but it still had a couple – I mean, uh, still some guys that, uh, you know, even Froholt and uh, uh, Greenlaw and guys that came back this year that uh, looked like they could, you know, game and Harris and, uh, you know, maybe some offensive – I mean, the quarterback situation, I'll, I'll give him that. He did not inherit, but, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and to say, you know, I should have been too. Like it's have a been. little ingen- disingenuous to say, oh, you know, you got 11 guys on the field who hadn't had a snap together before because, you know, they saw time. You know, uh, it's not like, you know, that was. Ole Miss just came out with a, with a freshman quarterback and just up tempoed offense or uh-huh. defense around and looked good and ran it, looked like he's been a. A junior or senior in, in the system. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had fall camp. You've had spring uh, to practice. I mean, I get a game reps are <laughs> so important, but it's not like they they just came out of just came out of nowhere and just all of a sudden, oh, let's just join up like a pickup game in the park. Mm-hmm. So to say that the team looks like they hadn't seen a practice field, and you know that's inexperience. You know, I would agree with that. That probably is, that probably would be an experience. But I, I don't think that they look like they hadn't seen a practice field. I think they had. Um, they came out and tried to do some innovative wild hog stuff that was done 14 years ago by a coach that, you know, everybody ran off because. And had McFadden. I mean. Yeah, had Darren McFadden, McFadden, who was a quarterback in high school. And yeah. Felix Jones and. Peyton and you know you could just go on and on with all the talent that we had when we ran that you know the problem here is 
it wasn't one run correctly for one you know the wild hog or the wild cat whatever you want to call it if you don't run a sweep motion you're not running that offense you're just not and we didn't do that and that 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 takes away one of the dimensions of that offense of that offensive scheme and to not have that dimension you're taking a whole end around out of it completely and you're focusing on running the ball up the middle power game or throwing the ball the lineup was good they lined up well they lined up at the proper depth um they the 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 look of it was good the execution of it was what was horrible and that's why you know that those are those are reasons where we start saying hey that's a coaching situation that's a coaching problem right there yeah and also to be all that week like oh we just ran a vanilla offense against portland state and didn't dominate them with vanilla offense or with the base offense and then go against Ole Miss. And that's the first thing you see that's any different from what we did around mm-hmm. against an FCS school. And just to then keep going back to it. And it just obvious is like just the stubborn. It's like, it's not working after a couple of times and to keep going back to it and losing. I mean, just killing eight, eight yard losses, just drive killers instead of just and run the base and run it. Well, there were several times, uh, in the first half, I think the third or so drive, we had uh, first two plays were run, and 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 uh, and we uh, were getting first downs, and then right after that, you know, first down, we throw straight, three straight times. Mm-hmm. Then it happened again, the second possession of the second half. Boyd runs for two first downs. Then we do, then we do that the uh, the wide receiver pass mm-hmm. um, that Starkle admitted he didn't know it because he hadn't practiced it enough, which was a why are you calling that play if you know if. He, if he hadn't run it enough and, in and, practice. And there you got another coach, and it's a bad coaching situation. Um, also, another thing that was mentioned in that in that uh, letter was uh, asking why did the O-line block better for Starkle than they did for Hicks? Well, the O-line didn't really block better for Starkle than Hicks. Starkle threw the ball faster and got it to the receivers quicker than Hicks did. Starkle could throw into tighter coverage and make throws because he has a stronger arm, and it looked like the O-line was holding up better, but they really wasn't holding up better for him. As far as the run game, you know, that's a a good question. Why would the run game break down? Well, probably because the O-line was starting to get tired and worn out at that point. Yeah, exactly. Because he didn't get into the second half, you know. And we don't have a lot of depth. We're not doing a lot of rotation on the O-line. So now you're getting worn out, tired players that are, you know, that are trying to play. So anyway, I guess I would just like to say I think we understand your perspective. We understand where you're coming from. And I think we can agree on 85% of the things you said. So, thank you for for writing in. It's always good to have the other side of the coin on the podcast. It really is. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, but at the same time, if we don't start seeing some improvement, we got to make a change. And that's our, at least that's my 
that's my perspective. That's what I'm saying. And I hope that after you hear our perspective, you can come to terms with some things you said and you can agree with some things we said. And we're not doing this after we lose to Alabama, uh, who's got the program of programs, lose to them, you know, 30 to 17. You know, it's, it's against Ole Miss. Some of those things have built up. And, yeah, there's 10 more games. Maybe he does fix it. But right now, I mean, I'm a homer. I'm, I'm excited for Saturday to see if we come out. But when that game started the other night, I've been excited for that Ole Miss game last year. We talked about how it was a big game. It could be the difference between making a bowl or not, having momentum, and uh, you know, being four and zero going to A and M, and we blew it. I mean, you could tell from the get go we weren't. I mean, it was it's going to be tough to just uh, the display of offense was just mm-hmm. awful. wasn't there, and um, but there, I mean, there's ten games left, but right now it's it's tough to see. I mean, and, and he's I mean, supposed we don't to win another game. And he's supposed to be an offensive genius. We're supposed to have an offensive genius coming in here. And if he's an offensive genius, he should be able to take the talent he's got and win all of our non-conference games and at least get us to a bowl game this year. To say that a bowl game isn't is out of the you know realm, I just that to me that you know I don't know. I guess you're right. I guess you're you're seeing some of the same things we are, and you're coming to the same conclusion because I'm not seeing a ball game this year. I don't know if we're going to win an SEC game this year. Maybe Kentucky now that the quarterback's gone down, but they look pretty darn good. I was saying in the previous podcast, so you know we could definitely go after Kentucky and and beat them. And then I saw them play. I said, "Ooh, I don't know." And now their their quarterback's gone, so maybe we maybe we can win that game. But, you know, at, well, the way we're playing now, who else can we beat, you know? So, it is what it That's is. It's going to be tough. Colorado State's going to be tough. Uh, probably best chance from here on out, San Jose State, Western mm-hmm. Kentucky. Um, even though Kentucky lost their quarterback, he's an experienced QB, but, you know, a lot of their base was on defense. They got a solid defense that uh, Coach Stoops over there is a, a, you know, foundation built on that program. And um, it's going to be tough. Exactly. Um, so it's not. I mean, Paul came one now. It's not for a second year. It's not year one. Last year was not year zero. Uh, bowl game should be the expectation. Bielema did it. I mean, my God, you know, um, he even he he had four wins in his last year with that talent that ever you know you're, you're saying not you but uh, JM some yeah. JM some fans um, are saying was devoid. I was like, well, he won. I mean, four games. Could we not win that last year, then move up to a bowl game this year? Exactly. Well, JM, I appreciate you writing in. We'd love to hear your thoughts after the next game. So, you know, keep it coming. I think that it is uh, its value to to be had on the podcast, and it's it's definitely good to hear from the from the other camp. And uh, I think if I could leave you with anything, it's it's just don't be an apathetic fan. Um, who was the media this Mike week? Irwin. Yeah, Mike Irwin. Uh, with uh, he's been doing, man. He's been working uh, oh, man, local here in Northwest Arkansas media for last since the seventies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, he works for KNWA Razorback Nation right now. Um, you know, he's kind of fell in love with with the the area and the uh, Razorback programs in general. And he's just saying it's it's. 
Yeah, fans are angry. You don't. You want to see. You want to see some passion. You want to mm-hmm. see this passion from us after that game to be upset. Apathy, apathy from fans is not good. It's not what we we take a lot of pride in the Razorbacks. It's not what you want to see. Just apathy. Oh yeah, well that was just a mm-hmm. you know whatever. Just like become. We're already the seller. We're we're seller dwellers right now. The SEC West. We don't want to become what Ole Miss. They had forty something thousand there for an SEC game. Yeah, um, I could see Tennessee beating us too. So let's not just you know just stick it to the West right now. We're, we're yeah. possibly the worst team in the SEC. Yeah, that's a tough thing to say. That's a tough thing to to come out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm, I'm not delusional for thinking we shouldn't be that. My gosh, you know. Yeah, exactly. I may be delusional if I think we're going to win the national championship this year, but not to not be the last team in the SEC. Yeah. Not be behind Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Ole Miss, a mm. terrible Tennessee program right now. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, that 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 that's our thoughts. We appreciate you writing in. And now we're going to go to Derek, who's going to bring us a totally different perspective. Uh, he left a voicemail again this week, and keep them coming, man. These are these are really something else. Well, this is Derek from Colorado again. That makes nine SEC losses and as many tries for Coach Morris. And boy, was that an ugly one or what, guys. You know, I'll be real with you. I'm pretty down in the dumps right now. And nothing that I've seen so far this season makes me think that we're any better than last season. That's just not okay. You know, I'm not going to try and diagnose the reasons behind that. But it ultimately falls on the head hog, and that's Coach Morris. This team has got to show some improvement soon. Look, I've talked with some Colorado State fans this week, and they're confident as all get out that they'll come out of the Ozarks with a victory. We're in for a battle this weekend. Let's see what we're made of. Go Hogs. Well, that's Derek explains exactly what Hog fans are feeling right now around here. Any any Hog fan with a heart for the Razorbacks, um, he sounds like Hog Preston. Um, if somebody was to know what's fan passion sound like after loss and sit into space years from now, that's a recording that that explains it right there. His, his emotion after a tough loss. Yeah, um, I totally agree with that. You can tell his passion from his voice and and how he's you know how he's presenting himself and and I, I feel your pain i'm right there with you and i agree we got to see something turn around real quick but I, I do want to put a bit of good news out there real fast and say i don't think we're in a situation where it's totally dire okay i think there that there we're in a situation where we could go one of two ways and and we could see Starkle come in. We could see him get a bunch of first-team reps, feeling really good, getting in sync with the other uh, receivers, getting in sync with his running backs. We could start throwing the ball around a lot more in the f- first uh, half of the game. Uh, that would ease up our offensive line's woes of having to block so much for the running backs and, and having to run the ball a lot. And it would all around make the team a better team if he starts connecting like he did in that second half through the entire game. 
of this next game. But we all know last year this is the exact same thing we were saying about, you know, Kelly. And uh, and we were saying, well, you know, if the, when the other quarterback comes in, he starts throwing the ball around or, and, you know, maybe we'll be able to open it up some and that'll help our run game and we're going to see a totally different offense. It's basically like we're in the exact same boat we were in last year. And it could go one or two ways. It could go with the same way it went last year. Or it can go where Starkle is, is on fire. He's had plenty of time to to get those reads, progressions, and everything down. And he's connecting with his receivers. And the run game opens up. And we're just moving the ball up and down the field. We could see it. We could see that happen. And we would have several games basically for him to practice and get ready for the next SEC game and maybe come in and, and still win at a at an A&M or one of these SEC games. Still a win or two and maybe still make a ball game. So we could see a turnaround where the team does really well and maybe you start seeing Morris's offense start to shine. Maybe he stops trying to do so much trickery and focuses more on his bread and butter and making sure that that is successful. I don't care about running 100% of the playbook. I care about running 20% of the playbook really, really well and doing it for perfection so that it doesn't matter if the other team knows that you're running a slant you know your quarterback can throw the slant and you can pick up five yards. You know you can throw the comeback and pick up five yards. You know you can run power or trap or sweep and pick up, you know, five, ten yards. Well said, Chad. Yeah, don't have to worry about the 100%. Just get right what you can. I mean, don't – maybe plays that Starkle's not comfortable with, like the, the uh, wide receiver pass. Don't run it. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that is a, a glint of hope. Uh, we saw in the second half how fast Starkle gets the ball out of his hands. Um, some of those, uh, not even just saying, you know, that the touchdown on their second string, but still throughout that, driving a couple setbacks we had with penalties or the uh, targeting call that, uh, oh, Grady had the first down, and then they looked at her targeting call. Ended up not calling targeting, but took took away the first down for O'Grady. Things like that, a pass interference, uh, things are here and there, but he, he looks smooth running out there. Get him a game week preparation, um, and I'm with you, Chad. It's not dire, it's not fire, Chad, right now. Mm-hmm. It's just saying it's it's just just how we feel after after that loss. It could turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, we could see uh, definitely definitely see a two game win streak here, and go into A and M with Starkle looking for a revenge mm-hmm. against a coach that that he that he thought he should have been starting after he threw for five, about almost 500 yards. The, the very first in front of Jimbo, who was watching him, um, who was ready to take over the, the next season, threw right in front of him. Assuming you know he had a great shot at being the starter, uh, never give him a chance. Hardly uh, played uh, very little last season, garbage minutes. Looking there, and if if everything's running smooth, you know we played A and M very well last year. Uh, had a chance in the fourth quarter. Maybe Starkle gets things rolling, and and you know we get on a little streak here. Yeah, and it's very much a possibility. So, Derek, keep your head up. I guess that's what I'm trying to say to you. Keep your head up. Let's get out there and, and get this win. 
and oh, yeah. uh, you know, let's get this ball rolling because it could very well go in that direction. But if it does go in the direction where we don't go out there and get that win, and I wish I didn't even have to say that or talk about it, and we thought it was funny to laugh about the first game and how that wouldn't even be close, and we all had our you know lofty uh-huh. predictions and and stuff on that, but you know. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, you just want to, you know, you want to see the team be successful. You see the talent that we have and you want to see that talent perform. If we can't make that talent perform and win these non-conference games, we got to start thinking about who can do that. And maybe coach more sitting the guy, but he's still got a shot. And, Another point uh, you were alluding to um, is don't want to have it last year with the quarterback situation. Mm. You know, it's just like you're saying, it's eerily similar. Um, and as uh, Colorado State, you know, Cole Kelly's name starter mm-hmm. against Eastern Illinois the very first game last year. He comes in as terrible. Uh, Story comes in late second quarter, throw, or in the second quarter, throws a couple touchdowns. All right, he's better. He's coming in second game. We go to Colorado State. He starts – He's five for twelve, two interceptions, and Cole Kelly's mm-hmm. six for nine, and uh, does a little bit uh, better in, uh, for a little bit in that game. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, and we we can't have that. You know, we just can't. This this cho- this coach chose to to bring these quarterbacks in for them to compete, so they would be the the guys that lead this team. And if he doesn't have one of them coached up enough that they can beat our non-conference opponents, you know, that's a situation. And let me just say this straight up. The University of Arkansas has always held a high standard for our coaches. We fired coaches and in the middle of games when Frank Rule was there because they wasn't winning. And, you know, some say, oh, well, that's rough, and I can't believe they did that. And you probably wouldn't see that type of uh, fire in anybody's belly across the entire college football landscape at this point, really. But most teams would not put up with what we're putting up with. They darn sure wouldn't give you four years of it, you know. So we got to see improvement or something has to give. Yeah, it's... There's still a chance, uh, but Morris has to know, feel comfortable, and be like, "Well, you know, everybody understands. I'm just gonna kind of change the culture this year. You know, two, mm-hmm. three wins is going to be good enough for this fan base because they're patient. They they're used to losing. No, that's not the case. Mm-mm. I mean, it's the worst couple year stretch in the history. You can look at the record books, and, he, and even when there was eight game, ten ten game seasons, it, um, this is not. It's not fair. You should. He didn't have to sign up for this SEC job. Get paid three something million a year. Which is, you know, on the cheaper end compared to SEC, but still, you're taking an SEC job. Uh, don't take the head coaching job here if you don't if you don't want the expectations. I think we're averaging don't. around 19 points per game right now, and even cool. Bellamy averaged about 26 points per game. Uh, Coach P averaged over, around 28, 29 points per game. So that's the thing that's most concerning as an offense. I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to clarify. I'm just talking about like their first two years. Also, sorry. No, you're. That's that's a, a very good point, Chad. 
That's 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 what's the most concerning because as an offensive coach, and that's what watching that old Miss game. If you're a Razorback fan, and you couldn't be, just what is this? What you know, second year uh, in the Portland State? What's this offense? Because he's an offensive guy. I think that's the main really thing that's concerning. Um, yeah, right now that no, we haven't seen right. just explosion, we've got. We want to see some games that we're putting up fifty points against. We want to see against Colorado State this weekend. Seven, eight touchdowns. Uh, San Jose State blow them out of the water, sixty-three to ten. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And just be like, okay, we can see. I mean, even right now, I, I mean, you know, you look back in the day of the Petrino and nothing. You just you you take you don't uh, you take for granted these games against uh, Louisiana, uh, you know, whatever school or mm-hmm. South Florida. I mean, we beat up on Boise State and South Florida back in the day, mm-hmm. and teams like that, and just like assume uh, Lafayette and teams like that just beat them. You know. 40, 49 to 7 all the time. You just assume, well, that's going to happen. And now it's like, I'm just hoping to see I'm just hoping to see a 40-something seven game against Colorado State, San Jose State guys. And once we see that, I'll, I'll pick up some glimmer of hope. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think if anybody gets anything out of, of what we just said is, listen, there's hope. We got a chance. This could all turn around. And we could have a year where we're actually getting out there and, and seeing per, some production from the team and we're seeing some wins and, and everything's going to be okay or it could go the other direction. But, you know, I'm rooting for, for Coach Morris. I like him. Oh, I, yeah. I think he's oh, yeah. a good guy. I like his offensive scheme. I think if he would actually run a hurry-up offense like he said he's going to, we would, we would do well. I think that Starkle looked like he was trying to run a hurry up offense and it was probably the fastest i've seen this offense out of out of anybody yet yes we had some issues with players not being lined up and so on and so forth but then that comes back to coaching and that comes back to position coaching and that's whenever the head coach has to say hey you know in meetings you know you have to make sure that you know your tight ends know where to line up so that they're not you know, lining up on the line of scrimmage when they're supposed to be off the line of scrimmage so they can run out for a pass. That is bad coaching, and that's the things we have to correct. That's the things that have to be taken care of. And maybe it's Craddock who's not taking care of those things, and he just doesn't have a lot of experience. Maybe it's Coach Morris. Uh, I, I doubt it because he was able to take care of them whenever he was over at Clemson. You know, uh, so so I doubt it, but you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a, a offensive coordinator situation. Maybe we need to see. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to see uh, Coach Morris calling the plays." Well, I would hope he's calling the plays because he's supposed to be the offensive mind here. You know. Yeah, he's got it. That's uh, coming down to him as an offensive guy. Um, whether the well, he think he, he picked Ch- uh, Craddock. He had him down there. He's a very young guy. Uh, maybe he needs to stay down in the American Athletic or Conference USA and get more after this year. But he's got to figure it out. Take the reins. Um, teach him how to be a better offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, but be aggressive. I mean, you're the head coach. It's it's what you say. Yep. I mean, I'm not saying you have to fire him in the middle of the season. Maybe just demote him to um, his role as a quarterback's coach. Or you do the play calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chavis can handle the defense. You can handle the offense and the the main the head coaching in game roles and mm-hmm. things like that. Let Chavis and his defensive staff handle a lot of things during the during the game week and game. 
but take over the offense. I mean, it's it's worth it. It's 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 coming down to it. It's last year. I mean, was the I mean it's thrown away now, but this year, I mean, it's it's coming down to it. I mean, it is. Oh, I agree. One and one. We gotta we gotta I start agree. putting up the wins. We gotta do whatever you ha- whatever you have to do. And you know, this segment is is what you know any podcast, any radio show, anything is about. Whenever they say. Here's the things that we see that we want to critique uh, the 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 team on or whatnot. And this is what we can do to get better. This is why people listen to it. And I'll tell you what, anybody wants to say, hey, you know, you're an armchair quarterback. Why don't you get out there and, and coach the team? Well, give me the job. I'll yeah. be there tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I exactly. won't lose to Colorado State either. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he might say that. Hey. <laughs> Let's do this thing. We're else out there. Exactly. So anyway, uh, I guess we should go ahead and roll into this uh, Ole Miss game and do a quick recap of that. Yeah, that's exactly what we knew. We kind of, you know, overall kind of program thing kind of ties in. But yeah, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, scores by quarter, obviously. Arkansas did not score in the first quarter. Kicked field goal in the second, didn't score in the third quarter, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Here's my question to you, Tim. Did you feel like any of those touchdowns in the fourth quarter were trash touchdowns? Well, the offense, I mean, it was still nice to see because it's a brand-new quarterback, but it didn't mean as much, no. Mm -mm. Um, I I mean, I wouldn't say the Cameron Curl 69-yard fumble recovery was trash because, I mean, that was 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, cut – Cut the Ole Miss lead from seventeen to three to seventeen to ten, but now, the last one, yes. I remember was, during the I game mean, you said we're going to have to have a defensive score. We're not going to score on offense. We're not going to see a touchdown, yeah. and that was the first score we saw on offense was the defensive score. You were totally right about that. Yeah, and I mean, I could have had another one. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I was hated to see that we needed two of them. Um, but yeah, the one was just a little too late. But it was it was better than not score. At the end, you know what I mean. It was a it was a fast driving kind of salt. I mean, kind of maybe what we should do uh, with Starkle, kind of run it that up tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it would fall in line with trash. But it was nice to see um, that they didn't just throw in the towel completely. Uh, I thought the defense was gassed with that touchdown before. Um, the thing about that t- defensive touchdown was that the defense had to come right back out again mm-hmm. and. Uh, attempt to stop i think if we would have it would have been nice to see if the defense just could have got ah, even either one more turnover or three and out uh you know and us be down 17 to 10 see what our offense could have mm-hmm. could have done um maybe with that momentum well yeah and it, absolutely it's a game of momentum and there were a couple times where we would have had scores in the in the first quarter we should have had a score where uh, there was, you know, a, a wide receiver running wide open, and, and we just didn't have the arm to get it there. Uh, we saw a lot of balls that were were dropped when we were driving down the field, so it allowed um, Ole Miss just to attack the line, take the run game almost completely out, and just you know attack us. And then we we put Starkle in. We started seeing you know, these flashes of, uh, of us being able to throw the ball around and stuff. And I just feel like they, the, you know, we said we're going to see a run hit, or I said we're going to see a run heavy game. 
whenever we see Hicks out there, and we're not going to see such a run-heavy game when we see Starkle out there, and it's exactly exactly what we saw, but I feel like they tried to rely on the run too much, and especially, you know, like you said, going to that wild hog and, and all those different things. There were a lot of situations where we could have tied it up, taken momentum, and be able to keep ourselves in the game, and we just let them slip through our fingers. Yeah, that, the wild hog was definitely because I mean that's an obvious run because you're not Boyd's not going to pass um, from back there. Uh, not experienced as a quarterback, or so I, I assume so, or we would have seen a little something like that. Yeah, um, I went back and looked. So he not, never had any quarterback snaps <laughs> in high school whatsoever. He's been a runner back his entire career. I think that's where. You know, Darren McFadden was so successful with that because he was a quarterback in high school and he was throwing the ball around a little bit. Yeah, and there was a threat to that, and it was Darren McFadden. I mean, that's why they—that's why you really don't see that um, the the wildcat, wild hog, um, mm-hmm. really anymore. Um, unless you kind of got a threat like that, but that kind of put us behind there, and. Um, uh, <laughs> It's gonna nice. It's gonna be nice to see just a complete uh, game this next against Colorado State to be able to uh, see kind of how Starkle opens up the run because Boyd's got it in them, but it's it's hard when they're stacking the box and Hicks can't wasn't throwing downfield um, at all. Or mm-hmm. a lot of people that media that were there at the game um, that had an overview of the whole field. I only see what's on TV uh, for that game. Uh, we're saying you know he's missing. You know there's wide open wide open guys he's not getting to him fast enough and you saw starkle um out of the gate uh, know know the route the receiver's running or where he's breaking off the route Mm -hmm. to get it to him and we saw some things like that yeah no and old miss just came out there and beat us uh with the russian game they had 237 yards or 61 yards and they just ran it down our throats and there wasn't a whole lot we could do with that in the first half we didn't hardly have any passing yards at all but then Starkle came in and passed for 300 yards or I'm sorry we wound up having 300 yards of of passing yards after Starkle came in Um, so we were able to move it around passing the ball in the second half but we never could get the run game established even with the pass so we have to figure out how are we going to get that run game established what are we going to do to make sure we're running the ball. We have a stable of running backs that can run the ball well. We have to we just have to be able to to get them going and we gotta get the passing game going at the same time. Then you're gonna see success. Yeah, and you th- you see um I, I've never really noticed or maybe some of the tougher SEC games last year where Boyd has below a four yard average. Mm-hmm. You know, and Whaley's two carries for two yards. Um, again, they use Devion Warren with the end around one time, and it gets 12 yards, and don't, don't even uh, try going back to it. Um, um, and also, there was a fourth and two kind of bringing that up. There was a fourth, two, fourth and two, and we tried delay delayed handoff, allowing enough too much time for Ole Miss. That was getting in the backfield. They had 10 tackles for loss. That was mm-hmm. later in the game. And, um, I, you know, I'm, I appreciate Morris going for it on fourth and short, um, but to do a kind of a delay instead of just going power, you know, and giving everything we got for those couple yards. Um, and also, that was another one, but, you know, I, I, 
I thought it shouldn't have been, you know, that long. Should have been a couple inches where O'Grady was down, but still. And another thing, too, is our line is undersized. We just don't have a very big offensive line. And we have to quit taking a step back in pass protection or run protection. we got to meet them in the neutral zone and push that defensive back or that defensive lineman back as much as we possibly can instead of stepping back and trying to gather ourselves and then block because we're getting beat with that and that's something that you've seen that Petrino's offensive line had to learn how to do and uh, you saw that again with uh, Bellamy's line both of them tried to do that same technique and it's just not a successful technique in college football or SEC football let me say yeah and I will say uh, kind of going and this is going back to early yes and I will agree with um, uh, Bannon wrote in that uh, uh, talking about Belon leaving now that's one thing that really he didn't leave a stable of uh, full of offensive linemen mm-hmm. for a coach that was supposed to be you know all, you know a grounded pound coach um uh, really, really, by the end of the year, his seasons, the offense line was atrocious, and uh, Morse needs to build it back up. So I will, I will give that. That's that's a position that we're really, and it's it's still hurting, hurting us this year. Oh yeah, no, you're totally right. Totally agree with that. So goodness, wow, yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it was a tough game. It really was. Uh, punting looked good. Um, that that. You know, it looks like we've have our issues corrected with our special teams that we had last year, and that's going to help us a lot moving forward. Um, I think that's where you can say, "Oh, this is where we definitely see an improvement." And of course, with the defense. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Sam. I mean, he had a fifty yard, a couple inside the twenty. Trey Burke's punt return. He had two for 28 yards total, 15 yard. I like that his aggressiveness. Um, you know, Davion Warren had about a 40 yard kickoff return. So I, li- I like the aggressiveness, especially from Burks on the punt return, trying to get us. I mean, that's like a, a you know a first down. I mean, he's averaging 14 yards a punt return in that game. That's like a first down and a half mm-hmm. that he's given us that we haven't got in a, uh, pretty much since uh, Joe Adams. Um, you know, on defense, you're talking about. I mean, bumper pull has nine tackles, seven solo and attack. I mean, that kid, him and, and then Curl, those two combined. Um, oh, man, uh, Curl looked good in this game, too. Wasn't leading with the head on his tackles or any of that. Looks like they and, got that corrected. And so you, you were talking see, about. You, you can see where you know, probably the Chiefs said, hey, we got to fix this and, and made sure the coaches fixed it, you know? Yeah, and you were talking, you know, talking last week about, hey, that, I mean, that, he, he would have been out and, I guess he would have came. Maybe it's just suspension for the first half, mm-hmm. but still, you know, you risk a suspension on that targeting as well if it gets thrown out. Um, and he might not have been in to make that play. You know what I mean? That that he made for the touchdown, ripped mm-hmm. that ball out. So good to see uh, the coaching correcting that. And I mean, eight tackles along with that uh, touchdown was. I saw the stat that he's the only player in the NCAA with. Uh, a fumble recovery or a touchdown, a sack, and um, damn, I'm, I'm lost on that one. But another one, but you know, only defensive player with all three or four categories of this certain thing. It's just like wow, 
He's oh, had wow. a really good start as a junior, you know, later in the secondary. So, Oh, yeah, he's looking good for sure. And he had Comper, oh, sorry, Connor Lampert, who was 50%, uh, hit a 36-yarder, and then uh, missed a 43-yarder. And really, that he should have hit that 43-yarder. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a long one. It's in uh, Ole Miss, and we know there's the wind swirl. Uh, with their stadium and the way that it's set up and and uh, on the end of the field he was kicking on uh, you do get that bit of of wind swirl the way they don't have that fuller enclosure there so yes Florina's eight many and got that almost missed that first one it banged off <laughs> yeah that's true it did banged off one of the bars but man you expect him as good as he was last year uh, to make a 40 Forty something yarder. I mean, that was that would have made the game ten six before halftime. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least another drive with points um, totaling just that three points before halftime. Uh, but he's he's got to when you got to rely on a couple more of that. You know, really needed that, especially in, uh, noticed more when we we scored only seventeen. Yeah, his kickoffs look good. They they was averaging sixty four yards, hundred ninety four yards total. So. I mean, he looked good with that, but you know, goodness, you got to make those field goals. You got to, you got to get it. You know, you got to get it through that bright. So that's when it matters the most. Yeah, we're this year. We're gonna have to. If we're not scoring touchdowns. We're gonna have to get the points somehow. So he's gonna be relying on. Um, yeah, he did do a good job on the uh, the kickoffs, only allowing kicker um, just for twenty five yards. So that was a. Uh, a special team uh, coverage has been better through these first couple games. So, I'll tell you, Joe Fouché looked really good in this game, and so did Gabe Richardson. I think both of those really came out and, and had a really good game. Yeah, and, um, you know, that Gabe had that one sack and a tackle for loss. You know, not not good enough on this defense to only have one sack. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have two turnovers, uh, forced turnovers. Um, Chavis, I like his attitude. He says that's not, not enough. You know, mm-hmm. and they came in some big situations. Uh, Boucher and then um, Curl, of course, with those fumble recoveries uh, were big, you know, big oh, yeah. plays. But we got to have more of that. Um, you know, Ole Miss having 10 tackles for loss and three sacks to our on defense, one sack and four tackles for loss. But yeah, the game played really well. As, uh, you know, he needs to have continue to have this season, especially with some of the linemen going down. So it was really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, our secondary didn't look as as good as I think they will in, in upcoming games. I think there's still some time to, to coach them. I think our safeties um, played a good game. But I think really where you saw the issue was with, you know, McClellan and, and uh, Brown getting beat downfield. Yeah, Elijah Moore really really tore us up, especially kind of later on a couple of the moves where we missed some tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of over-pursuing or, um, you know, just missing and cutting these plays short where he takes, takes it to the house. Um, he's a very good receiver. He's their main guy this year. I mean, um, he's two touchdowns, a 46-yarder. You know, he had half the catches uh, that came out of cor- uh, corral. It's hand. Um so it's a guy we should have been better at uh, keeping an eye on, mm-hmm. not letting him kind of dominate us if he's the only receiver really big threat they have. 
So yeah, and another and another kind of game where you know other quarterback, you know he well he nets forty six yards, um, had a twenty three yard another quarterback. Uh, it's always like, man, I really wish we had a quarterback that can run because we seem to always get bit by. Him. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess we could just keep going through this game and just just beat it like a dead horse if we wanted to. <laughs> no, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I just I'm, this other. I saw some somebody else in the media wrote something that I read this week that I want to share with everybody that about this game that I thought was really interesting and and he said basically let's take a look and see how good Memphis is and that's going to really tell us what kind of old miss game or what kind of old miss team we played and and how good is old miss and is is old miss better than maybe we think they are than we're giving them credit for and maybe Memphis is is a better team than we're giving them credit for. You know, you got to remember, we were going after their coach, Mike, Mike Norvell, so maybe they just got beat by a really good Memphis team. Maybe we got beat by a, a decent Ole Miss team, but I don't think so. Not with a, you know, not with that young quarterback they got. and uh, I don't know. They just got a really young team. We shouldn't got beat by an Ole Miss team as young as they are. So I guess yeah. I was going to be positive, and I talked myself out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean Memphis isn't bad. I mean they were going to be tough, but I don't. I just can't give Ole Miss that much of credit. Um, you know they're kind of devoid of the the uh, recruiting class talent that they had when they were cheating. Um, so they're kind of back to Ole Miss. So it's not really an excuse. To, we just laid an egg. I mean we we laid a dud on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to come out different. Exactly. But yeah, I mean Memphis is solid. They got a solid, Norvell's a good coach. Got a solid program, but I don't know if it's just you know like they lost to you know a top ten, top fifteen team. I agree. Well, I guess that's about all I got for uh, the Ole Miss game. Did we miss anything? Is there anything that uh, we need to bring up? Um, I really don't think so. Um, I'm ready, kind of to. Uh, get that uh, game done with and move on to Colorado State. Excellent. Well, let's uh, pause for a uh, sponsor and we'll move on to Colorado State. All right, so we're looking at Colorado State. It looks like Colorado State played Colorado. And uh, that was a 31-52 game. So Colorado State was moving the ball down the field. They were scoring a little bit. Um, they scored seven points in the first quarter, 14 in the second, uh, three in the third, and seven in the fourth. So, you know, they were getting up and down the field and, and scoring. And that's a that's a little bit scary if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, they had the lead 21-17, a minute 35 left in the first half mm-hmm. against Colorado. Um, they threw, I mean, the quarterback, a different. we know what they do. They torched us last year. We know a uh, different quarterback this year. Uh, he was 30, uh, Hill, um, he was 31 out of 47 for 374 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions that game. But still, I mean, they ran for another 100, 130 some yards. They got some talent. Quarterback's good. Uh, they got some solid running backs. Um, got a 6'6 receiver that's really good. Uh, the Hill, Hill, the quarterback, and Coach Mike Bobo has been around that offense a ton and knows it through and through. Um, 
Uh, they've got, you know, almost as many, as far as the depth chart, almost equal to our guys on the depth chart from Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, and Texas. So mm-hmm. they're not just recruiting guys from the state of Colorado, Utah, uh, states around there. And uh, Bobo 7-1 versus Arkansas as a Georgia assistant and head coach of Colorado State. And um, they're coming with confidence. So yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be an easy victory for us at all. Well, you heard Derek earlier. He said they, they're coming to win this game. They're coming for a W. And uh, we got to be, you know, we got to be prepared for that. We got to be. We can't overlook this team. That's the that's the worst thing we can do. And there has been publication after publication that's ranked this as a upset game to watch. Um, I think you know it, it's just not it's not looking good for us as far as 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 what the outsiders are saying when it comes to the national media. Of course. We all know as Arkansas fans, the national media is horrible and they're always rooting against us. But at the same time, you know, it's something to think about. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame them. And that was preseason. I was like, oh, I can't believe they're picking that again. I can't believe they're going to think Colorado State's going to come into Fayetteville and take mm-hmm. a victory. What is that? One of the upset picks preseason. Well, I can't blame them. I mean, they had some, you know, take my Homer Homer glasses off and see, and it's like, okay, I, I get it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, and this, this is a better team than last year, too. I mean. They're uh, older. But wasn't healthy last year. They're older. Uh, uh, Bobo, you know, had, had the health problems last year, so he was, I mean, he was in the uh, press box, but he wasn't down on the field coaching again. Mm-hmm. No, that's and true. Then, um, and you can't put it past him. I mean, he did it last year. You saw it. You know, for yourself, you just can't put it past the guy. He he wins some some wild games. He he can figure out a way to pull it out. You know, and, and they got some decent I mean, before, players. Before last year, I mean, he went to uh, three straight bowl. Games. I mean, last year was just a kind of anomaly in his mm-hmm. coaching career. Um, he was used to going to a bowl game every year as a Georgia uh, assistant, as offensive coordinator for several years under Mark Rick. So he's used to winning. He's not a bad coach. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not a bad bad football program at all. At all. So, yeah, no, they're a better football team than they were last year, and they're coming. They're coming to win this game, and uh, we got to be on our on our game and ready to, you know, ready to beat them. They had their first win last week against Western Illinois, so they're one and one. Um, they scored a lot of points uh they scored i mean 38 to me right now 38 points is a lot of points because we can't put seven points on the board on in a quarter so uh they they first quarter they put up 14 points second quarter put up 14 points third quarter seven fourth quarter they, they put up three points so you could see where they probably have depth issues and they're probably you know winding down towards the end of the game but at the same time, we said to look for that last year, and that's whenever they came at us harder, and whenever they were playing better. I I tended to think that had a lot to do with altitude and and how we handled the trip to Colorado State. So 
you know, we got that going for us this year. We don't have to worry about that altitude situation. Um, we don't have to worry about, you know, wearing out because we're not used to playing in that situation. And then also they're going to be coming down here and it's going to be their first trip outside of Colorado. So, you know, the ball is going to act differently because of that change in altitude. Um, and, and they, they're not used to that. So we, we do have some advantages as far as the conditions go in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great point. Uh, we kind of went over it, man. Uh, if that happened against the, the, the Colorado state debacle, mm-hmm. um, I really want to beat this team. Uh, I feel sorry for Derek that lives in Colorado. The Colorado state fans mm. are uh, pretty, uh, douchey last year after the win. Mm. Um, and they were calling out other, you know, calling out all us Razorback fans that we just tried to enjoy the trip to, you know, a good state in Colorado. Um, they were calling out us, calling out they want Alabama and things like that. Um, so I really want to beat them. Um, so we do have that advantage, them kind of coming down uh, from the altitude first trip out. They also scored, you know, 31 points against Colorado, give up 52. Um, so maybe we can get some points. Uh, Colorado's a a pretty good team this year. They won that, and last week they Colorado overcame the seventeen to nothing deficit to Nebraska, a ranked Nebraska team in halftime, and ended up winning that game. And uh, great, great ending in overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they, it's not like they've seen uh, two cupcakes, and or, you know, are kind of rolling in here like don't know what to expect. Exactly. So you know, they still got. I mean, they still got. I mean, they got some newcomers, um, but they still got some guys. Uh, quite a bit of guys that uh, remember this game last year yeah absolutely and and when they played western illinois just just know that uh connor sampson their quarterback was on his back a lot there was a lot of sacks in that game especially early in the game um i had a chance to to take a look at that one also had a chance to to take a look at the uh the colorado colorado state game and and uh you know, I think our defense is going to be able to have a a heyday getting to him and, and 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 putting him down. But the problem is, is he can attack those cornerbacks so well. We're really going to have to we really have to get back there. We're going to get in his face. We're going to have to get him on the ground before he has a chance to throw the ball. But he's good at throwing a quick quick pass and getting himself out of that trouble. Even though he'll find himself in that trouble a lot, reminds me a lot. Of, kind of uh the the brandon allen years where you found him on his back a lot but at the same time he was throwing the ball all over the place yeah colin hill their quarterback i mean he was um he was sacked twice against colorado um none against western illinois uh western illinois or colorado's defense got to their guy seven times you'll see Mm -hmm. them coming um hubbard um uh their uh, defensive tackle Ellison Hubbard from six foot two eighty six from Georgia and a half sacks in that game, mm-hmm. um, but Colin Hill, I mean another, I mean uh, again against West only throws for three sixty seven four touchdowns no interceptions, mm-hmm. um, so this guy's looking to spread it over the field, man. He's he's confident. He's uh, you know so he's th- so far this year he's already got seven hundred forty one yards seven touchdowns two interceptions rear. He's got over 3,000 yards. And he wasn't the starter last year when we played him as K.J. Carter-Samuel. So Mm -hmm. he's got a lot of experience, um, a lot of confidence. 
um, looking to pick up our defense this year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I guess to sum it up, their defense is going to be bringing it. They're going to be bringing some, you know, some different stunts, some different uh, blitz packages. They're going to be trying to get to our quarterbacks and 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 disrupt us. And they're, they're going to be moving the ball or, or throwing the ball a lot around the field on offense. And we have to really be ready for that. Yeah, and they've got um, uh, kind of the guys uh, Hill's thrown to, too. Warren Jackson, uh, six foot six, two eighteen. Um, you know he leads him. Uh, well, he's got one hundred and forty two yards. Um, he's a guy that Hill's just going to throw it up to and expect to grab. Mm-hmm. Um, then you also got uh, as Jackson, six foot six. You got Dante Wright, number twenty two, who's five eight, freshman from Navarre, Florida. Um, he leads the team in receiving with one hundred eighty three yards, a couple touchdowns. He's a guy uh, watching that Colorado game. He's, he'll line up in the backfield. He'll run the ball um, as well as uh, line up as receiver. So they're going to, you know, he has breakaway speed, use him on a fly sweep, big in the passing game, quick uh, space. Too. True freshman, but uh, he's a big contributor to Dante Wright. They also got EJ Scott, Jaden Walker. Um, I don't really use their tight end Cam Butler much, but their receivers are a pretty talented group. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And their, their special teams looks pretty good, too. Um, you know, I believe they got a touchback in the Colorado State game, so. When they play Colorado. They're yeah, they're definitely missing uh, their, their uh, uh, Brian from last year who opened mm-hmm. the the game against us with a 55-yard field goal. Um, hit, hit a couple more, hit a 46, 44-yard another. I mean, hit four field goals in that game. And we was just, I mean, that's maybe one of the longest field goals I've ever witnessed in my life. Uh, being live at a game, 55 yards, and he'll nailed it in that altitude. But he's mm-hmm. gone, so maybe not as strong. Um, but, uh, just be, yeah, they, I mean. Yeah, but the, um, the, Alec, the Ken, Kenny Alex or whatever who they got out there now, he's he's filling the gap pretty well. Yeah, I mean, four touchbacks like you're alluding to, Chad, I mean. It's pretty, it's pretty good. A lot of times with the the new rule and the kick returns with the uh, the fair catches, you know, you see them kind of kick. I know we do that a lot where we're just kicking it up to about the ten, fifteen yard line. Mm-hmm. This guy, Alex, I mean, he's he's uh, or he's he's putting know, his foot. In. He's got a leg, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I guess we should break them down here a little bit. Uh, I think. Uh, pretty much what we're going to see from uh, from Colorado State, we're going to have, like you said, Hill out at uh, at uh, quarterback. You're going to see uh, McElroy again at running back. Um, then uh, you will have Brooks. That's their their main target out at uh, uh, their their their. Uh... Oh, sorry, uh, right. That's their main target. Out at uh, wide receiver, then they have Jackson and uh, Scott, EJ Scott at wide receiver. Also, um, that tight end McBride looks real good. Uh, then you got you know a, a a a line that is quite you know uh, old, <laughs> I guess I would say. You got uh, yeah. Wesley at right tackle. Uh, Taylor, right guard, 
Uh, you got uh, Storman at uh, left tackle, Phillips at, at left guard, and Brooks at center. And they're all, you know, they're all older. They're all uh, they're an older, aggressive uh, line. Yeah, and they're looking to, you know, they're, they keep calling Hill from really getting sacked too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so they hold them up and they do run the ball a little bit, not, you know, um, you know, averaging 160 yards on the ground. So they will run, but a lot of that is keeping Colin Hill and giving him uh, time to throw and uh, break apart the uh, secondary. So we're going to have to get pressure on them. But yeah, the line's pretty experienced. Um, and a lot of guys just uh, seem the, like some experience the, on this team. Yeah, absolutely. One of the reasons they're so experienced, too, is because a lot of their guys are coming from. Uh, not community college, but but uh, kind of grad transfer, yeah, yeah, grad transfers and, and two year college guys that are coming in. So they they got a lot of guys that are that are coming from other places and uh, contributing. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing these guys. Uh, I know you got a, a German player, but yeah, you're seeing a lot of guys come wherever they play to kind of come together. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of some pretty big guys <laughs> along that line, all over three hundred pounds. Oh yeah, yeah. They definitely have a, a good size line. They're not undersized, and and you know we're just gonna have. I think we're really gonna be able to see, you know, what kind of defensive line we got. I mean, we got to see that last week, but I think you know here it's like, are we gonna be able to? do a few more stunts are we going to be able to be a little bit more aggressive with our with our uh blitz packages you know going into this game and i think it you know i think we possibly could yeah um i think so too <laughs> we're gonna to have to uh this is a disappointing effort on this so we're gonna to have to uh, change up something Absolutely, the Ram offensive line for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally agree. So, yeah, I don't know. That's 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 pretty much their team. Uh, I guess we should run through the defense. I got Manny Jones at the end. He's played twenty four games, uh, fourteen tackles for loss in his career. Elson Hubbard, Hubbard, uh, defensive tackle. He's got to have three something sacks against Western O himself. He's got. Uh, 66 tackles in his career. Toby McBride, other D tackle, defensive end, Jalen Bates, 6'4, 254. Then you got the linebackers, Tron Fall, senior, Cameron Carter, Max McDonald. Then you got the uh, secondary, Rashad Ajaye, Jamal Hicks, Logan Stewart, and Anthony Hawkins. But a lot of guys with, uh, you know, well over double digit games played um, in their careers. In fact, everybody, a lot of guys. Uh, Maybe Logan Stewart only starting two in his career. Oh yeah, absolutely. All those guys, you know. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, yeah, I think <laughs> I think in like we're going to see a very similar team than what we saw against you know Ole Miss uh, with that. They, they have a very similar style defense with you know uh, the way they try to bring it in and stuff and. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see how that works. 
Well, then, uh, when the, the stat that Colorado State published here was uh, uh, Dante Wright, uh, who wears number 22, and one of only two players in the nation with consecutive games with a rushing and receiving touchdown. The only of the guys was Constant Jonathan Taylor, who's uh, up for the Heisman Trophy. So, Oh, yeah. Um, and it, the quarterback, Colin Hill, who has thrown 300-plus yards and five of his nine starts. And the Rams eclipsed 500 yards of offense for the time under Bobo against Western Illinois. So, um, Mark is good for 10th most nationally and most by a Mountain West team. Just well, a couple of tidbits for Colorado State. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said, I think this is a team we can take advantage of. I think we can, you know, we can we can take advantage of moving the ball across the middle of the field on these guys and stretching it down the field. I think, like I said before, the run game is, is probably the biggest thing that, that I'm worried about. Uh, against these guys is, is are we going to be able to establish a run game and if we are able to establish a run game then we're going to see a lot more success than we have seen so as we'll be able to stretch the field and then we'll be able to you know run the ball behind that so yeah it's so important and last year against this I mean you know with some same guys but a little different kind of different animal this year but we had 300 something yards rushing for state last year um, and we should we um, not to go over it again, but this should have been where we're just running down their throat even more because um, they just could not stop us. So if that happens again, um, take advantage and then start to light them up. But we got to have that run game. We got to have more than sixty yards on the ground. We got to have more than two yards to carry. We're going to win this game and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, here we can see. Are we going to be able to establish the run game? Are we going to be able to throw the ball down the field? Are we going to be able to stretch it a little bit? And if we do that, you're going to see that secondary back off. You're going to see those um, linebackers back off. And then you're going to see that run game open up a lot more. And then also, like you said, are we going to take advantage of some of the in-around stuff? Are we going to move you know, the ball to the outside and take a little bit more advantage of uh, some of our sweeps and stuff like that that we haven't been taking advantage of recently that I think we could do a lot better job of 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 getting like Whaley out to the outside, you know? No, oh, yeah, exactly. But just, I mean, just not giving up on that play with Warren. He's had three or four rushes this season. They've all gone for double-digit mm-hmm. uh, yards. Um, we're getting away from that in exchange for a, or something that doesn't work or a pass. Um um, of course, I did say oh, Gray City is wide open on that um, wide receiver pass. It was just to the wrong guy. But again, that was uh, Starkle took the blame, not running that enough in practice. But yeah, I mean, do some different things, but we got to establish that run first. Yeah, I'm glad Starkle took the blame. That's what a leader's supposed to do. They're not supposed to make excuses and point fingers. You know, they're supposed to take the take the blame, and and that's that's good leadership skills. But you you got to start thinking about when you see a good leader out there, is he really the blame or, or is he taking that blame because he doesn't want to pass it off on somebody else. He just wants the team to get better. And, and if that's what it takes to, to absorb that blame and then go back and work on it behind the scenes and get it right, you know, you know, it's, it's just yeah. something to think about. You know, as much as people yeah. talk about managing offenses and, 
and uh, everything. You know, quarterbacks. You know they they do have to. You know, take a look, and you got to check your alignment on your receivers. But generally, you're not checking your alignment on your tight ends. You're just really not as a quarterback. That's not something that you know your quarterback's not going to check that line because that's something that's generally coached to such an extent that you don't have to. And there's generally, you know the play as a tight end. You're either on the line or off the line. It's, it's not a, a lot to it. But then when it comes to wide receivers, there can be confusion because of the different packages that you're running. So that's where the quarterback really has to know, you know, their lineups, and he has to make sure that they're they're lined up properly. And you see a lot more of that than you do whenever, you know, then looking at the line and looking at the tight end who's playing on the line 95% of the time. So, Nice. I like that breakdown, Chan. It kind of helps us all understand that a little better in that play. Um, well, it could have been a big play, um, but kind of came bit us in the butt, and we got to cut down on those mistakes. Too many of those. I mean, we cut down on those. Mm-hmm got a lot better chance at winning that old Miss game. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that we definitely can, you know, turn it around and, and come out and, and get some wins from that game or, or from these, this team. I think it's just a matter of, you know, what do we got to do to get there? Well, like you said, we got to take out the mistakes. Once we take out the mistakes, we're going to see a high turnaround. We're going to see a lot of things that are going to look a lot better and be a lot different uh, than we would normally see. So, you know, we got to really, we got to, we got to make sure we're not beating ourselves out there. And that, you know, again, that all comes back to coaching. That all comes back to the coaches making sure the players know how to run their job. And this is the second year the coaches have been in. You know, they're already saying, hey, they, the, the, they're not making the excuse, hey, these guys are new, they don't know the offense, blah, blah, blah. They're saying, hey, we got more of the offense installed, we're looking better, so on and so forth. So even the coaches are, are understanding where they're at there. So it's time to see that in action. It's time to see that start to come to fruition where the team starts to meld together and come together as one. Uh, one of the things that you were talking about that was that was worrisome was the amount of arguing that was going on on the sideline. You didn't see coaches coming over from time to time uh, and uh, and talking to the players and sitting them down and explaining, you know, what they could do differently and how they could how they could do things after a major breakdown happened. It seemed like everybody was frustrated and upset and, and going to the sidelines. And we saw a lot of that last year, and that's supposed to be corrected. That part, that, that that chemistry is supposed to be corrected, and I'm not seeing it corrected yet. Yeah, especially one of the plays, I, I, I think maybe, maybe after the fumble between Whaley and Stark, see mm-hmm. both of them, and they're not communicating to each other and sitting down with each other and trying to figure it out. Um, they're kind of, <laughs> to me, it looks like, you know, and kind of yelling each other, walking away from each other and trying to, you know, maybe one of them's just trying to figure it out. There's no coach coming over there mm-hmm. and, and, explaining what went wrong and what needs to go right the next time. Um, yeah, it's the one thing, you know, Morris worried me. Uh, one of his, I think, 
Well, maybe it was one of the summer press conferences this year talking about, you know, he lost the team the last couple games last year. He admitted it. You know, what everybody saw was like, oh, no, 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 that's just doing those flavors. He admitted he lost the team. And you're not seeing – I mean, that's not a good sign. I mean, um, I'm, I'm, you know, as much as I want to see us come back again against the C team and play a, you know, a, a better team this weekend and try to come back, good thing we're playing Colorado State and San Jose State weekends to try to try to figure this thing out yeah and it's historical if historical is going to be the guy moving forward that's fine i don't want to see a change i just want to see if this is the way we're rolling let's roll with it and let's just let whatever happens happens um you know i don't know i guess if you're the coach though and and you're in a situation and you feel good about both your quarterbacks which he does and and you're seeing them struggle you're like well Maybe I can get the other guy out there, and we can, you know, we can go ahead and, and get a fire going. We can win this thing. We can we can get the guys, you know, moving the ball or whatnot. It's so tempting to do that, but at the same time, you have to have you have to have faith in one guy. You have to be able to trust somebody is going to go out there and make the plays they need to make to win the ball game. And even though they're down, even though they're having a hard time, you got to have faith that they're going to be able to turn it around, pick themselves up, and go out there and win that game. And you got to help them do that, not take them out of the game and set them to the side. Um, you know, I, I don't know if if Starkle's the guy, if it was, you know, why he would make the decision to play Hicks, even if Hicks you know, maybe knew the offense better. Maybe he felt like could could help, you know, everybody line up and so on and so forth. But if there's that much confusion and misunderstanding in the offense that the players don't even know where to line up and how to execute plays without the quarterback telling them, there needs to be some more coaching going on in the position staff. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> so yeah, very well said. Yeah. Anyway, well, I, I guess that's about all I got for uh, Colorado State. Are we missing anything? Do you have anything else, Tim? I mean, I, I think that kind of says it pretty well. I do know we need a prediction uh, before we move on to a couple more items on this podcast. Yeah, totally agree um, on the but uh, really uh, prediction. Really, we're just at this uh, kind of going off what you just said, Chad. We're kind of at this uh, point, this like threshold is like how much you know farther down can we go? Can we can we start to build up? Can can the coaching turn this thing around? You've got enough talent. It's not we're not devoid of talent. You recruited some guys. You got a one and a half you know classes. Uh, you know, so kind of say um, uh, we got we got to start showing some improvement. We got to start seeing this just total buy-in. We got to start seeing, I don't know, some more emotion from Morris. I don't want to see him. It doesn't need to look and sound like he's on the sideline within the game, press conference. We don't get to see practice, obviously. And another thing is because we don't get practice, so we can't say, oh, well, start better. Um, Mm -hmm. It was kind of strange for him to go, you know, you know, kind of everybody, every fan I've heard, you know, this week and read new things and talked to people this week. Hey, how do you see that Hicks was the better guys it's just that you told him yeah he's going to be the starter because uh, Starkle did commit like maybe a month later after Hicks did he, did he promise him that is it just kind of he's a loyal guy you know he seems like a, you know, a really good family guy he's a really good guy 
promise them that, like, hey, I'm going to give you the chance first, you know, and just no matter how good Starkle maybe looked or kind of excuses and just kind of saying it. Because we saw, um, even that first game, maybe I was short-sighted and you kind of going back on that because that interception. Um, but Morris did admit that that was a, a kind of a wide receiver either broke off a route or something else. So maybe that wasn't totally uh, Starkle's fault. And he was four out of five. Um, with, and then he didn't play again. Um, so it was uh, kind of short on Morris not to, to play him again. Now, I mean, last year with cold story, but. Yeah. And maybe he felt like. You know, the teams SMU played were a little bit harder than they actually were. And he felt like Hicks was a little bit better of a quarterback than he actually was from his previous, you know, experience with him and, and what he'd seen before. And then he got in that old Miss game and just realized, like, all right, the talent level just isn't there. And I got to make a move because we've seen Starkle excel in the SEC. So... Let's let him in. Let's let, let's see what he can do. Yep, and that's a that's exactly it. You know he can do it, and just the confidence you saw from start, kind of the ball coming out of his hand. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Saturday day. You know, and I, I mean? love how he threw the ball so quick. Like he and he got yeah. the team lined up. He got the snap off, and he was moving the ball quicker. Even though there were a few more mistakes. And there were some plays called back and so on and so forth. Starkle was better at running the offense, in my opinion, than Hicks was. Because Hicks was running it slow. And maybe that was because Hicks was taking a bunch of time to make sure everybody was lined up correct. Maybe it was because he was coaching on the field to say. But Yeah, but it's just not. Maybe that works better at s and the that mm-hmm. conference, but you gotta, I mean, you gotta have some a little bit uh, bigger balls against uh, in this league, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Maybe you could, if you could combine the kind of the positives of each quarterback, but right now, where we're at in this program, it's like we gotta roll with Starkle and guy who can, uh, not little guy, but a guy that can uh, be aggressive and with that, that confidence and uh, kind of read the defense uh, quicker, you know what I mean? And have a downfield presence. I mean, the you know, having some of these big plays and the, no, the yards totally attempt, first completion and attempt were uh, higher, with, were doubled or more with him. Um, so it is nice uh, to see and gets me fired up to at least, I mean, we lose to Colorado State, it's a different story, but right now, not come out and win this thing. Yeah, let's no, I totally agree with you. So, yeah, let's <sighs> go win this thing. So what's what's your prediction, Tim? All right. Um, you know what? I don't know where I'm... Man. I think the offense comes out a little better. I think we're going to win 31-21. to 31-21. Okay. Well, I, I say we're going we're gonna to come out... I think what we're going to see this week is, is we're going to throw the ball around a lot. I think there's going to be maybe a a pick that's going to wind up giving a few more points than we would see Colorado State normally having. Um, I think that's going to be because they're going to be really trying to attack the running game and keep our running game 
at bay. Um, and I think it's going to wind up with us looking at something like a, oh, I don't know, maybe a, a 27 to 34 score, something like that, Arkansas. Yeah. I like it. Win, win would be a win. I mean, I would take it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we would match our win total. Uh, so that'd be a, we have a better, it's been a good podcast this week, but, uh, have a good podcast for different reasons next week because of that. Yeah. I, and, um, I would expect us to be able to score a touchdown every quarter with a couple field goals like sprinkled that. in. That's kind of my thought process there. That's kind of where I, that's I like how that. I came yeah. up with that idea. So, yeah, getting shut out of, of any quarter is not ideal. I think I think uh, seeing that we can see at least some kind of score, at least one touchdown every, then sprinkle a couple field goals. I would take that. I'd take average some game, kind of doing like that. Just don't have it. Just a complete goose egg on a quarter. No, um, no I, matter I totally agree. the other team's going to score. So at least if they score something, you know, we at least match them. Yeah, you know, no, I totally agree with that. So, my bookie has the uh, Colorado State-Arkansas game. Uh, They have us favorited uh, with 10 points, um, giving uh, Colorado State 10 points. So, if you're going to be doing some betting this week, make sure you use my bookie. Make sure you use promo code HOGCALL. If you do that, you will have your deposit matched so if you put in a hundred dollars they're gonna give you a hundred dollars if you put in a thousand dollars they'll give you a thousand dollars so instead of playing with a hundred you'll now play with two hundred instead of playing with a thousand you're now playing with two thousand dollars so if you're gonna be doing some betting this weekend go ahead and support the hog call podcast by using promo code hog call on my bookie so how about fantasy this week, Tim? Wow. All right, let's kind of go over week two from this past weekend. Um, go Tigers beats me by 30, um, 192 points. He scores the most. Um, Dirty Owls beats Flexbone down by 20. Uh, Van Cundy's mullet whips up on Hoxtradamus by 70. My goodness. Chad, um, <laughs> you, you losing a squeaker by about 10. Um, Hawkville Slammers continues their, you know, their 187 points. Uh, touchdown Jesus wins. Too legit to quit. Continues to be 2 0. And Arkansas raises snacks 191 points to 103 over Patty Waddy. Pa- yeah, Patty Waddy. So, uh, they, you know, raising snacks, touchdown Jesus, too legit to quit or 2 0. Dirty in, in its SWC division. Uh, go tired, 38 Owls or 2 0 in the SEC division. Um, Chad, we're, we're struggling. Um, I'm, I'm at least eighth looking at a playoff spots in the conference or league. You're at 14th out of 16th at 0 and 2. It's you okay, know, man. I, uh, over. plenty of weeks left. I'm all about comebacks. So yeah, <laughs> we'll just better watch out. Um, I think my biggest thing with this so far is that, I pick guys that, you know, are good players and so on and so forth, but I, I should have thought more about what teams they were playing in the early games because I noticed 
people are taking players who are basically really good players playing horrible, horrible teams and then running a score up on everybody. And I was like, oh, okay, so that's the strategy, you know. Well, the early weeks, I mean, that is kind of, I mean, when teams are playing uh, some of these smaller schools, mm-hmm. you definitely rack them up. It changes. You know, and y'all who still got you projected to make the playoffs at six and five and turn it around here and go on a six and three kind of finish off the season. Still has me projected for thirteenth out of the playoffs. So you're still looking good. Uh yeah, I mean I think after the first two weeks, you know, really the non conference kind of slows down. Um with games sprinkled in here and there, but not as much as like, you know, majority of one of these teams that has guys playing cupcake schedule. So we're going to be seeing some different outcomes here. Here starting this week. I know even this week. I mean, without you adding a lot, I mean, you're you're projected to beat Go Tigers, which is huge for this division to even some things out. So right now you project 163 to 141 over Go Tigers. So that'd be nice. And I did make a few moves last week. I think most of my bench was projected to have zero points, not because. They were on bye weeks just because, I don't know, they were just they were just not, you know, probably the best players or whatever, I guess. Uh, and I thought they were going to be a little better than they were. But I've made some really good moves, and I feel like I've really been able to, to bump up my team. Uh, you know, and i got bench players now that are looking to score, you know, 25 points this week and stuff that I haven't even put in yet. Um so once I put those in, we we're, we're going to be see a little bit better of a uh, you know a little bit better of a move there. Uh, you should see that increase a little bit as far as you know my win percentage, estimated win percentage. So yeah, so now I'm at uh, I made that move that I've been planning to make right here on air. So now I'm at sixty eight percent to win that game. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I like it. I mean, we need to kind of even some things out. Race, you know, we got two divisions, SEC division, so mm-hmm. um, we got some things happening. I mean, there's still plenty of the week, plenty of weeks left um, for the playoffs, but uh, I mean, it's it, it's fun for sure. It makes Saturdays a little interesting to keep it up with fantasy. It makes the NFL better, I know, for years, you know, to play in – fantasy football but these Saturdays have been even better watching all these games and kind of oh in this random game you know mm-hmm. no, that I would watch guy, maybe yeah. watch normally it's like oh yeah heck yeah I was like oh come on you know give it to <laughs> such and such so exactly no I'm right there with you uh, it's it's really been fun to to play fantasy with all the fans and well it's just neat to do something with everybody you know yeah I've seen there's you know uh, maybe not other podcasts really, you know, want to kind of do something like this. Fun with players and fans. It's really nice. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I'm going to keep doing it. You know, yeah, you know, and whenever you're a podcast that's created by fans for fans, you know, you do things with the fans. You have fun with them and you, know, you don't attack them and talk bad about them, call them out on Twitter and stuff all the time. That's not, that's not the right thing to do. No, it's not. And we thank you again for listening. I'm just going to take that time to <laughs> thank everybody who's listening to this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And 
we have like tripled our fan base from last year so it's just amazing uh and it, every week we're seeing an increase and man i think if we if we win some games we're just going to we're just going to keep seeing it go up and up and up so yeah that's the big thing we need right now uh, anybody you know, we start to lose and losses start to build. You're, nobody's in the mood to mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about uh, any of these games or anything or listen to us. I mean, there's still going to be some loyal guy, people that uh, listen to us, and we appreciate that. But I understand. I mean, we Hogs really need to start racking up some wins and get everybody okay. excited and uh, not sound, not going to work, not, you know, around the house doing whatever, sounding like Derek from Colorado. You know, we're going to do everything we can to keep you excited and, and keep the hope up and, uh, you know, try to make an exciting podcast for you. But, man, it's so much easier when there's a W on the board to get on the next week and just, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, makes, it is. makes it more natural. <laughs> for sure. There's only so much. We did that last year. That's a tough year. Yeah, breaking down losses. It started to mount up, especially with like double games. But at least last year, you know, by the end, you know, you started having hockey success and basketball, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about and things. But let's just win some games. We'll be happy about everything. And, you know, last year, one of the things we did, we started talking about hockey. And uh, we, we leaned heavily on, on hockey. We had a pretty decent hockey season. And it, uh, it was fun to, to point out the – the other teams that were winning also started uh, leaning pretty heavily on our basketball team. And speaking of that, hockey has uh, just started. We had our first two games. Uh, we played uh, Dallas Baptist University. We won uh, both those games. The first one was a 7-1 to win. The second was a 7-2 win. So the hockey team is, is coming out, and they're doing it again. Um, we only have a D3 team this year. I believe the D1 team was uh, disbanded because they didn't have enough fan support. So if you can get out to the Jones Center, if you can support the hockey team, if you can buy yourself one of those cool jerseys, throw it on, wear it around, you need to do it. Support this hockey team. They deserve our support. They have really worked hard to make this hockey team an excellent hockey team and a a hockey team that is out there competing for us they're not embarrassing us they're they're one of the best hockey teams in the sec one of the best hockey teams in the south and they really need your support so get out there and support the hockey team if you can i think i know i know it'll mean a lot to them and and you know it's just it'd just be better for everybody all the way around, if we can all support the hockey team. Yeah, I mean, they've got some great, I mean, if you can't go to a game, um, uh, buy some, I mean, it helps to buy. I mean, they got some really cool, I've just been looking at their hat. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, the jersey's the key thing, man. I mean, that's something else. But they've got some really nice hats, some dry fit stuff. I mean, they got a really cool store on the website. Um, And that kind of hurts, hurts me. Hurts me a little bit to uh, to see that um, uh, that you know just one team just lack of funding. Of course, the university could find some more funds for them. I mean, how good they were. I mean, a D one. I mean, for a you know mm-hmm. for a club team, you know, 
to, to compete like that and to D one against, you know, major teams that like really like northern teams that are, you know, have a chance to play hockey more. Um, oh yeah. But this team's good. I mean, they're D three and they beat a D two team to level up, you know, two games to start the season. So this is gonna be a good team. Oh this yeah. Might, I mean this might be a championship team. If they've combined teams be a really good team this year. Yeah, absolutely. And uh you know, I think Matt's gonna try to come on later in the year and, and give us a little bit of a, a update on the hockey team. But he was saying how they've made some really good moves um over the off season. He was really excited about that. And I know at one point, you know, whenever he found out that, you know, they lost the, the they weren't able to fund the D one team, man, he was he was livid. And he was saying, like, oh, you guys got to get him some support. And we said, well, you know, we'll do the best we can. You know, we can only we can only do what we can do. But at the same time, you know, I understand his frustration. I understand what he's saying. I mean, he can sit there, you know, just like I do, watch every single one of these games, live streaming. I mean, they do an excellent job bringing you the games, having announcers, everything they do, you know, the least we could do is just support them. And, and it's a shame that an athletic director won't support these teams. I just don't understand why an athletic director won't, won't support these teams and, and at least try to get them some kind of funding. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's still raised back. I mean, they're representing the school athletics. I mean, they still got the race. Obviously, they have, you know, the logo and, the NCAA logo, you know, official logo and everything. So at least, I mean, there's got to be, there's enough money in other programs just to push a little bit to help that team get along. We did it last year, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're not asking to build a whole new arena, put an ice hockey arena in Barnhill on campus or anything, how sweet that'd be. But, I mean, you got the Jones Center out there. It's been working for years, uh, for over a decade. Keep it there. I mean, just ask it for a little bit. Absolutely. So, make sure that you're paying attention to hockey make sure you're watching the games they stream them live all you got to do is you know pay attention to us when the games come on 95 percent of the time our twitter feed or our our, uh, facebook feed we retweet out the live feeds we we send them out there for you guys so when you see those pop up click play on your computer kick back grab you a beer watch the game i mean it is a great game, a great physical game. If you like football, you'll like hockey. You really will. Thank you. Well said. So, did the basketball schedule come out? I know that's our that's our other love. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, kind of got me excited. You know, you know, we're less than, less than two months away. First game on November fifth. Um, I kind of just wanted to go over it briefly, just kind of point out some things. Um, you know, we start five games for this team with the new coach, new system under Coach Musselman. Um, you know, we start Rice, an old SWC opponent, November 5th on a Tuesday night. Um, I like we start off five games at home, you know, against Rice, North Texas, Montana, Texas, Southern South Dakota. So not big opponents. Kind of some get this team uh, under this new system going at home, rack up wins. Then they have – a couple of uh, road games, you know, Georgia Tech, Western Kentucky, and Indiana um, before we get an SEC schedule. And some of that SEC schedule includes Kentucky at home, um, Auburn at home, who's the Final Four team, Mississippi State, LSU at home, Tennessee, who's all been ranked in the past 
uh, year, and you also got TCU coming to Bud Walton Arena in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So looking like a good schedule. Um, when that schedule comes out, it's kind of like, you know, the, uh, the school semester starts. School's right around the corner. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not looking forward to the winter months, but I just uh, you know, you see that in a fresh slate. Um, you just kind of get fired up a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what Musclemen, Musclemen can do. I hope that's going to be, you know, a nice, uh, you know, I hope he can take what we've built and he can build off of it and just be successful with that. I think what he's done in the past, there's no reason that he can't do that. So I'm very excited to see where he can take the team and the program. And hopefully they're going to figure out a way that we can, you know, see some of the uh, the red-white games and, and so on and so forth when those start coming around. And, uh, you know, we won't have to guess at what's happening or, or have you go out and watch the game and come back and give us a give us a play-by-play. Hopefully we can... Hopefully we can actually watch some of this stuff and then talk about it together as a fan base. Yeah, I didn't, you know, usually I see, I guess, announce, but usually it's they announce exhibition games, about two exhibition games before. Um, it's not on the schedule, but uh, that doesn't mean they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the red-white games October 5th on a Saturday during the football bye week, and they're playing it at Barnhill Arena. So first time basketball game's been played there in many a years. Uh, especially the men's team. Wow! So that's I'm looking Barn forward Hill. to going to. That's cool. Yeah. So that's a kind of a really cool idea because, um, kind of you know, a regular ticket to a regular game would be cool and you know, but you know that ticket's going to sell out quick. You're hard to get, but in a red white game, you know, you're trying to get people to attend. That's going to be a really good crowd just going Barnhill. Um, I'm excited for. That. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. Also, I think it's going to be a really you know, a really good, really good game. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just always exciting whenever you see, you see the basketball team come out, and it's almost time, and I don't know. I just get excited when it's this time of year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everything starts to come together. I'm not, you know, I'm not wishing on it to be winter. Um, you know, I'm wishing we kind of we're mid September. We've had you know, uh, you know, kind of a lingering uh, August heat and humidity kind of linger. Ready for weather, but when that basketball schedule kind of comes up, you know, it's like coming. You're excited. Fall is coming. Best time of the year uh, in the Ozarks. And, uh, you know, we got four returning starters. I mean, all we're missing is Gafford, but they played really well. Um, at least under Anderson and then it. Uh, without them, so it's going to be. Uh, I love what kind of these. You know, you got hockey, you got football, obviously hockey. Now you're going to have basketball starting up for about a month and a half. So really cool time, really cool. A lot of things to be excited about as a Razorback. Absolutely, absolutely. So, is there anything else Razorback related that we might have missed, or that you want to bring up at this point, Tim? I think that kind of covers it. Uh, just, yeah, I think I kind of covered everything. Just to see. We went over football in depth, and we should, on, you know, mm-hmm. in September. So I'm just ready for another game, see how we come out. Absolutely. Well, we always talk about something that's not Razorback related at the end of the podcast. And, man, there's so many things going on from Antonio Brown to, you know, all these different things. And 
I think the weirdest thing that I saw this week was this vegan lady says, and this was like in uh, Australia. Australia, yeah. This vegan lady says, oh, these folks are smoking cigarettes in their backyard and they are uh, cooking meats, uh, grilling out and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, it's bothering me. Ask them to stop. So the guy removes his grill, stops smoking outside, does everything he can do to help this lady. And then she takes him to court and sues him. Just ridiculous. Um, So now... Thousands, like six thousand people, have said we're gonna go to her house and like barbecue in her front yard. It, it's just a wild story, <laughs> and uh, man, goodness gracious! Like she's a vegan, I guess, and you know everybody's entitled to their own beliefs and stuff. But first off, why are you suing somebody? That's weird in the first place. The guy tried to help you and do away with the stuff. What's, you know, what's your problem? I don't know. Maybe there's a mental disability or something going on there. But there's got to be something something going on this this lady we're not privy to. It's just a, such a weird story. What do you think about this? Yeah, especially, I mean, um, I mean what can you do? I mean, everybody's out to come give barbecuing. Uh, but to sue them is crazy. Um, and she was also uh, complaining about, uh, I think, kids bouncing basketball. Um, I had read an article you sent me and playing basketball, and he's trying to trying to keep them, you know, kind of quiet from doing it all the time, which is terrible because you don't want to stop anybody from doing that. But um, uh, mad about them cooking fish, you know, not just you know, you know, not just steaks or you know, and everything and uh, pork chops, but also fish and just. Like, I don't know what they're, you know. Yeah. So community barbecue and protest of our actions, peaceful protests, which is, which is the way to go. Well, it is a peaceful protest. I, I do think I have the solution to this. It's if that lady just packs up all of her stuff and moves out into the country where there ain't no other houses around her, she don't have to worry mm-hmm. about anybody else being human oh, beings good. around her, which seems like what she really has a problem with. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously outnumbered, um, and um, she's welcome to stay in the neighborhood if she just wouldn't sue her neighbors, her peaceful neighbors that are just trying to uh, feed their family and have a good time. Uh, you know, a quote about, uh, you know, uh, good old Aussie tradition, you know, community barbecue and um, kind of grilling out and nice weather and things. Yeah, she just needs to move, you know, be close to people because she obviously doesn't like people. Absolutely. Wants to kind of harbor on their uh, beliefs. And we all know, Just I just got to bring this up. I wasn't going to, but I got to. Yeah, we all know that Belichick called Antonio Brown and said, Hey, I need you to just do some crazy stuff. Get kicked off the team. We're going to pick you up over here. We'll give you an extra million dollars once you do it. We'll win a Super Bowl. You know. We're we're behind you. <laughs> yeah, he definitely. Uh, there's definitely some foul. End up for him to do some weird stuff, just even more out of the ordinary than him. He's kind of used to. 
um, and then end up just a couple hours later, uh, end up a New England Patriot who doesn't need him, who's already going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're known, you know, spying on teams, videotaping teams, uh, <laughs> you know, deflating footballs. Anything know, they can do. Any kind of punishment, because they're going to get by with it for some reason. Loves them. Like, why? Um, you know, like, <laughs> we've already talked about the officer earlier this year. <laughs> Craft. <laughs> Love for the massage parlor. So just a weird organization, and they're just going to get away with uh, anything and everything. You know, Kraft was involved with, I guess, not only the, but the, you know, kind of a sex trafficking ring. So, but never, nothing ever happened to him, no punishment. So, they're going to keep getting away with that. Yeah. No, I mean, when you got that much money, you can get away with things. So, it is what it is. Everybody knows that there was some foul play going on there. And, uh, you know, hopefully, what's going to happen is we can. We can go out here as Razorbacks and we can win the rest of these games this year. Just be a one-loss team. What do you think about that, Tim? What if we just win the rest of our games, we're a one-loss team, just squeak into the playoffs? Because Ole Miss is not going to be battling us at 7-1 in the SEC. So we're just going to be 7-1 in the SEC. Uh, We're going to have the tiebreak over LSU and Auburn and Alabama, of course, make it to the SEC championship game. What a four. Uh, twelve and one, and we beat Georgia in the SEC championship. They're going to put us in as oh, yeah. a four seed in the playoffs, right? I mean, got to, got to. So you go on that kind of streak and beat those teams. Um, yeah, it's not over. When when Starkle starts lighting it up, and it happens, you heard it here, folks. We're going to win an Addy this year. Woo pig suey. Oh yeah, go hogs.